Good morning. How's everybody doing? Okay. Last week, we um, kind of started breaking down um, what elder leadership and church rule looks like, and um, went really well, went really long. Um, back in the old days, there would have been a lot of people really upset because that roast would have burned. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, so it would have been offering up that burnt offering, right, um, on Sunday morning. Um, so here's what I want to do today. Matt and I talked about this in um, just kind of reprocessing last week. Greg and Matt met and talked about it a little bit more. What I want to do is hopefully kind of clarify what church rule looks like, okay? And I want to do that. I was talking with Gina a little bit. I want to do this more as a teaching time versus, versus preaching a message. So when I teach, I like to ask questions and answer questions and, and, and have some give and take with all of that. So first off, does anybody have any nagging question from last week? And I don't know who's monitoring Facebook. Do you have the comments up on Facebook? So if they have a question that they post, will you just interrupt me and, and let me know? Um, is, is, does anybody have any questions from last week that, that may get the ball rolling to start going through this? Otherwise, I've got a, a little bit of an outline and some passages of scripture that might, that might move us forward. But does anybody have any questions or thoughts from, from last week moving forward? I see smiles. Not yet. Okay, that, and that may be that that as we as we as we press into this a little bit further, you may have some questions as we move forward. Um, I think that one of the things that might help is 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 reframing the word rule in the sense that that we think of a ruler or a person who is in complete and total charge. And therefore, you ask this question, well, if you say that the church rules the church, then do you have spiritual anarchy where everybody's in charge and nobody, nobody is obeying anybody else because everybody's in charge? If everybody's in charge, nobody's, nobody's in obedience, right? I don't... Hang on. Okay, is that any better? Great, great. Um, really, what I think it is is that is that um, let let's frame the word church rule around the understanding that we have some responsibility for the whole. Okay, so. Um, Turn with me if you if you do have if you have your Bibles with you. Um, two passages that I want to kind of hone in on that we talked about last week. And Greg, what what passage in Ephesians did you read? 
Okay, Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. Um, it's really kind of 1 through 16. So if, you, if you'll pull there, and then if you'll also go back to um, Matthew 16, where Jesus is, is asking his disciples, who do you say that I am? Okay? So in there, we find some interesting things that, that start to flesh out for us that I think will kind of give us a little bit more perspective on what it means for church rule. So if you go to Matthew 16, and he's talking with the disciples, and, and he says, but, but who do you say that I am? And what does Peter say? In Matthew 16, what does Peter say? You are Christ the Messiah. And he says, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will do what? I will build my church. Circle the word build. Okay? Circle that word. It says, I will build my church. And then what does he say? I think this is very important because this, this gives a qualifier to what it means to build the church. And what does he say also will happen as a result of this fact that Christ is the Messiah? Jesus is Christ, the Savior, the Messiah, the anointed one. What, what does that mean? Because he goes on to say this. And what? I will build my church and the, the gates of hell will what? Will not prevail against it. Am I correct in my wording? Not bad? Not bad for an old man. So, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That word build, if you go to Ephesians 4... Where it says, to equip the saints, in verse 12 of, of Ephesians 4, to equip the saints for the work of ministry for the building of the body of Christ. It's the exact same Greek word. The word build in both of those passages is the exact same word. Okay? So when Jesus is talking to the disciples at this moment, how large is the church? In theory. Not very big, not very big at all. And so he's encouraging the forward thinking to the disciples, to the 12, to his inner circle, that this truth, I am the Christ, the Messiah, on this premise, I will build my church. What does that mean? What do you think that means? And then what happens to the church? I will build my church. What's going to happen, Mark? It's going to grow. How? What was that? Church is going to grow numerically. Because he's saying this truth more and more will accept my church will grow. I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So here's an interesting thought. What is the role of a gate? Keep people out or keep things out or keep things in. Is it offensive in any way, shape, or form? 
Not really. It's, it's static, right? You go and look at a gate. You can stand all day, shout at it, yell at it, taunt it. I taunt you, right? It's going to just do what? Damn, right there. It's going to do its job. You're going to either stand on the other side of the gate and yell at it all day long, and you're not going to go past it, and all those things that are on the other side of the gate are just going to stand there and look at you, and they're going to stay there. The gates of hell will not prevail. In order for the gates to fail, what has to happen? Somebody has to assault the gate. Somebody has to breach the gate. What is the role of the church then? Assault the gates of hell. We need to do something against the gates of hell. And what, and what is Christ's promise? I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. The church needs to be offensive in nature. How many of you have found that most churches are very passive? They're very defensive. They're very passive. They're, they're not aggressive. But this is not at all what Jesus is implying that the church is supposed to be. I heard it said this way. We as a church are supposed to assault the gates of hell and depopulate hell's zip code. How does the church grow? Those that don't yet know Jesus come to saving faith. That's the way the church grows. So when he goes on and talks about then you have the authority church you have the authority you are binding and loosing what the opportunity to do what the church has been called to do all of you are singularly but corporately responsible to fulfill that expectation that Christ put upon the church I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it well if the church sits around and does nothing what's going to happen to the church it is not going to grow. Period. Am I right? So, in our first understanding of our church rule, we then have a responsibility as the church to grow the church. Now, fast forward, if you take that passage and fast forward over to the, the book of Ephesians in chapter 4. I'm going to actually turn to it here if you give me a second. Everybody turn to Ephesians chapter 4. When you got it, give me a thumbs up. That's what I do to my kids. If you're right where you're supposed to be, give me a thumbs up and we'll get rolling. All right, here we go. So it says, I therefore, Paul, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you. Who's he talking to? Paul's letter in Ephesians is to the church. This is, this is a you plural. This is a you group. I urge you. To walk in a manner worthy, worthy of the calling to which you have been called. What is the calling? Make a little note there. Your calling is the Great Commission. Matthew 28. Okay? With what 
Now, here's some qualifiers for us as the church. We should fulfill our calling and walk that way in such a manner that in fulfilling our calling, it says this, with what? All humility, gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Because there is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. And what is our hope? The end, right? We have a future hope of eternity because of Jesus Christ. But grace was given to each of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Flash forward to verse 11. Not that anything there in that other part isn't important, but I want to flash forward to this. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. All of these are ministry areas that, that in those areas of ministry, the Holy Spirit empowers and, and equips and guides and directs those to minister effectively. So the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers, what is the role then from here on out? It's now coming down the pike to the church. To what? Verse 12, to equip the saints. That's the first one. Equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain. This is in the end. To the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure and the stature of the fullness of Christ. In other words, this. The church should continually be growing and looking more and more like the body of Jesus Christ every day. And that ends when? Does it, does it end in five years after we've fulfilled our five-year ministry plan? Does it end in 10 years? Does it end in 100 years? It ends two ways. The church's role ends two ways. One, everybody in the church is dead and is already in heaven. Sounds a little morbid, but it's true, or the Lord returns. So individually, as long as the Lord has not returned, and I'm excited about this thought, that the Lord has not yet returned, so none of us have been given an out, a retirement clause, or a pause button in fulfilling what it is the church has been called to do. The only time any of us get that out is when we have entered into glory for all of eternity. So look at what it says. So this is that process of maturation, of growth, of, of, of knowledge, because look at what it says. To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. Is that a process or is that a one-time thing? It's a process. It's called sanctification. It's knowledge and spiritual maturity. So, this is the second glimpse of 
one of our roles in church rule. We have a responsibility to not only build the body, which is called pre-conversion discipleship, to see those who don't yet know Jesus Christ, to be exposed to the hope, love, and truth of Jesus Christ because we are on mission. But then we are to disciple and build the church in strength to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building of the body of Christ, till we have the maturity of knowledge and spiritual depth. And that is an ongoing process. So we have those responsibilities that are non-negotiable. Now, does anybody have any questions on that? Now that I've, I've, I've kind of thrown some things out there for you. Any head scratchers? Any questions? Any need for clarification? Sure. Oh, can we go backwards? Oh, I'm, I thought, sure, I'll go backwards. <laughs> Say that again. No. Sanctification. Sanctification. Yeah. Can we go back? No. Okay, so the, the question that he asked is, as the church, can we go backwards in our holiness? And the answer is no. But we can become very stagnant and stuck. Status quo is what we like to call it. You, you, you don't go back in your holiness, but certainly we can get stuck at different points along in the journey, which is, which is the antithesis of sanctification. You see what I'm saying? We should be moving in holiness. If we're not moving, we're stuck. And if we're stuck, all sorts of bad things start to happen. If we're stuck, I have a feeling that most of us would go, if you really want to dig down into it, it's become pride. It's become, I want to start doing it my way. It's, I'm not liking what's going on. It's about me. It's about me. It's about me. And we get stuck right where we are. And, and instead of moving forward, we're just mired in that clay of self. And that is dangerous. Any other questions? Yes? Y'all didn't know I had specifically staged somebody with a microphone. <laughs> that was really tricky. I know. So the term pre-conversion discipleship, mm -hmm. not a standard term. Not a standard term Is another all. term for that evangelism? Yes. Okay. So, so could you go back again to where my brain stopped when you said that because I was trying to think, well, isn't that just evangelism? So what yes. was your point again with the pre-conversion discipleship. Okay, so so the building of the body of Christ is two ways. Numerically growing. Okay? So when he says to go make disciples. Those that don't yet know Jesus, we are moving them along in their faith journey. Okay? Does that make sense? I know that may sound a little weird. But it's evangelism. It's you are sharing the hope, love, and truth of Jesus Christ and doing that in relationship, in authenticity, in sharing the manifestation of Jesus Christ through us. That's fruit. It's love. It's love one another as I have loved you. So it's fulfilling the great commandment 
which in turn fulfills the Great Commission. So when we say pre-conversion discipleship, what, what I'm saying is, is that I'm not just hanging out with, with sinners because it's fun. I'm on a mission. I have a responsibility. I'm not doing it because I'm stuck there. I look at my job. And those of you that, that I work at Crestview Elementary, I don't view my job as being a teacher. I view my job this way. I am a missionary of Jesus Christ, cleverly disguised as a school teacher. My desire is that they see Jesus. My desire is that how I love, how I act, and the opportunities that I have, those that the Lord lays in my path will see Jesus Christ. So the relationships that I engage in, the connections that I make, is intentionally for them to see, know, and hear the truth of Jesus Christ. And that is a relationship. I don't believe it is a one and done thing where you're hanging out with somebody and go, by the way, if you were to die tonight, you're going to go to heaven or hell. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. Goodbye. And I'm off to somebody else. We are engaging in pre-conversion discipleship because it is relationships that matter. It's moving them along. The Lord brought them into your life. When we walk out of these doors, we're on mission. So that is the first way that we should be building the church. So that's why we call it pre-conversion discipleship. It's that relationship that's being formed that moves them, that pulls them, that continues to expose them to the truth of Jesus Christ in the hopes, as Paul said, that I might win some. I'm going to do everything I can to be, to be the, the light of the world. Remember that's what Jesus said? You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do you take a light and put a cover over it. Nope. Hold it up really high so that all may see. So that's our first responsibility as a church. And you have that authority. You have that authority. So did, did that clear up your question, Gina? Did, did that help? Is everybody, everybody good with that? So then the second one then is that same process in, in relationship is building the body. So, so go with me. There's a, there's a really cool passage. I want to read this to you. Um, go, to, go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. First Thessalonians chapter 5. So this will also hopefully start to clear up a little bit of understanding about the rule, about the authority that you've been given, about the responsibility that you all have collectively been given as the church. And, and I need to include myself. That we have been given. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, starting at verse 11. And, and I'm going to read this as one whole thing. I've, I've bounced around. I've, I've, I've pulled some things together so it, 
for me, I'm reading it as one big highlighted, um, but there will be portions that I'm skipping in this part for you. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. What is he saying to the Thessalonican church? You need to be doing something, right? Again, is anyone in there being um, excluded? Well, you're a babe in the faith. Oh, well, you've been in ministry for 65 years and, and you've, you've done your due diligence. You're on a retirement clause right now. He's talking to the church. Therefore, encourage one another. First responsibility. First bit of authority that you've been given. Build one another up. Responsibility, authority. Every single one of us has the responsibility and the authority to encourage and build up. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. So here's, here's, a, little, here's a little nugget that within the church structure, we've been given the responsibility as elders to have a, a distinct role of, of leadership, okay? And one of our responsibilities is the word admonish, but watch what happens here in just a minute. And to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Goes on to say this, be at peace among yourselves. Very, very important phrase. It's another responsibility and another piece of authority that you have. If there is not peace, it is your responsibility, church, to seek peace, to be at peace, to be in right relationship under the blessing of the leading of the Holy Spirit. That is our responsibility. If there is not peace, don't go looking to me to fix it. As an elder, go fix it. Go be at peace. Check this out now. And we urge you, brothers. Here comes your other pieces of authority. Admonish the idle. Encourage the faint-hearted. Help the weak. Be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. This right here is one of those passages that for you should give some very clear marching orders to the church in our responsibility to rule, to lead, to guide as members of the body. Because remember, we are all members one of another. The hand is just as important as the foot. The knee is just as important as the shoulder. We are all members one of another. 
So I hope that what you're beginning to see as, as, as we open up these passages and these thoughts is that there is a responsibility that all of us have that none of us get out on. So therefore, as, as, as we look into this a little bit deeper, my encouragement would be this for you all. In our post-conversion discipleship, we should be actively engaged in a level of discipleship that is spiritually moving us closer in our walks to Jesus Christ. We should be consistently engaged in that. So what does that look like for the church? Well, what does that look like for the Grove today? We have our Sunday morning worship experience. We have grow groups, as we like to call them. And you all should be working at becoming healthy self-feeders. Three things. And I think all of them are non-negotiable. Sunday morning alone, in and of itself, by itself, here for 30, 45 minutes, depending on how long-winded we get, is not enough. It's not enough. You should be actively engaged in a relationship component with other like-minded believers on a consistent basis that's encouraging you, that's moving you, that's admonishing you, that's relationally coming right alongside you saying, let's be more like Jesus Christ. It doesn't mean that you have to do 60 of them. But it does mean that we need to not be idle in this area of our development spiritually. Because we are supposed to be moving forward in our journey of faith. And having that authentic relationship with our brothers and sisters, that that, that authority to see that that is happening, is, is, is happening in my life. I should want Eric to be going, dude, how's your walk? How can I be praying with you? How can I be encouraging you? Let's sit down and break bread together. So, so Greg, we have grow groups. Uh, Greg's over there. You can't see him if I return the... What really is kind of our goal with our grow groups? Like if you were just to kind of nutshell and say, hey, this is, this is kind of fleshing out what, what Steve's talking about. Where, where would you really say we want to see people with our grow groups? Well... Uh, I mean, I would say that the grow group is, is the place, the, the best place within the church where where all these where all these things come together. It's the place where we where we're able to do uh, Bible study in depth, where we're able to talk through things and and sharpen each other and 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 talk and agree and disagree. It's a place where we are able to minister to each other. A lot of the ministry of the church, I think, uh, happens out of uh, organically out of grow groups mm-hmm. where we where we care for each other and we watch watch out for each other. And when times are difficult, uh, that we throw our arms around people and kind of help them along. 
And so, um, so much of what we're talking about in terms of, of the ministry, in terms of the growth, in terms of, uh, of what we all need to be doing and need to be about in the church happens fundamentally in this church through the grow groups. Yeah, thank you so much. And, and so if you've not been able to get connected in a grow group, and I know that um, since, what, March, I guess, and we kind of shut a lot of things down, like we had a number of Sunday morning grow groups, and I know a number of people were con consistently connected with that, and that's great. And we're, we're really looking at what it's going to look like to go as, as we kind of phase with getting back to really the way we think things should be. One of the things we, we've been talking about is, is restarting um, what it looks like to have some of our Sunday morning grow groups. But a lot of our grow groups meet um, on another night of the week. Um, yeah, we have, we have Sunday night, we have Friday night, we have Wednesday night, uh, we have one Sunday morning group. Um, so we've got, we've got different ones uh, that meet kind of throughout the week. So there's a lot of opportunity, yeah. whatever fits best into your schedule, uh, to find a group that you can can grow together with yeah super so again that fulfills a couple of things again that's that discipleship so so there's a strong and he and he mentioned that it's not just bible study although in my humble opinion it is it is of extreme importance and priority in our growth into maturity of our faith is that studying of god's word But the other components to that is, is, is and his, he, was, he was using the word ministry, okay? So I want to segue off of what you said because that was a perfect setup. You just teed the ball really high and I can knock it down the fairway, which is rare for me. But anyway, what's the word ministry mean? Anybody know? Anybody know the Greek for ministry? Serve, and what's the word? What's the Greek word? Does anybody know that word? Say, fake, even if you can't get it right, fake it. Yeah, yeah. So, so the word in, sorry, there was a fuzz flying right before my eye. The word ministry, the word servant in the Greek is that, is that Greek word that we get deacon, diakonai, diakonis. It's all of that, which basically means one who serves, Okay. So if you're serving, you're doing something. If you're doing something, that is ministry. Okay? So in that, go back and look at what it says in Ephesians 4. To equip the saints in verse 12 for what? The work of of ministry who the body of Christ are to be doing what works of ministry now once again I, 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 I don't want to repeat myself because I like to hear my head rattle but I'm trying to emphasize this who is doing ministry? Who does ministry in the church? The church. Not 20% of the church doing 80% of the ministry. 
Remember how we went back a few weeks? Dysfunction. What is ministry? What is ministry? Ser- service, right? Serving. Did you all hear that? What is service? Uh huh, I got you. Siri. So embarrassing. It's pretty funny, but it is embarrassing. Um, So, what is ministry? Service. Everybody should be serving. I love that, that, that um, Perry brought about the, the passage in Hebrews. Everybody together. Everybody together. Spurring one another to love and to good works. Okay? Everybody should be in ministry. Therefore, everybody should be ministers. Everybody should be serving and everybody should be servants. None of us getting out on this. So what does ministry look like here at the Grove? Where do we find opportunities to serve here at the Grove? That's the question you should be asking. I'm throwing that out. Okay, give me one. Greet her at the door. Sure, why not? Yeah, Greg and I were talking this morning, just kind of debriefing, and you were talking about um, hospital. What were you saying? Check this out. Did that work? Okay. Um, You know, I was searching for the the best word for that. I kind of called it formal, informal. Gina, you said like official or whatever. Organized I mean, or unorganized. Yeah, really. I mean, there there are things, I think, that we look at and go, okay, within the within the church, uh, you know, this is going to demand uh, space. It's going to demand time. It's going to demand resources. It's going to demand multiple people. We need to look at that and see how to organize that and how we devote resources to that. And so that's a little more formal. But, you know, on the other side, the uh, informal or unofficial, whatever name that you would reach out is – uh, you know, here's here's my uh, you know here's my friend who's who's in the hospital, uh, you know, struggling. I need to reach out and minister to that person. I don't need to come to anybody and ask permission. I don't need to do that. I've been granted the power and authority by God's word to go forth and minister uh, in those ways. And so, when 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 someone needs help, when I have an opportunity to do something like that, that that's nothing I have to ask permission for. I have to come to you or come to Matt and and ask questions i am i am granted that authority through the through the word and through you all to go forth and minister that's yeah. that's what i'm to be about yeah absolutely and so then what's interesting is is that we can then bear out from that we may take something that is that is somewhat informal and we may on the fly organize and go hey you know what we do as a church we may need to rally around this opportunity and we formalize it and go hey Here's an opportunity for the church to go serve in love because of something that, that was just kind of organic and informal. 
this, this family has, has a real need because this person is in the hospital. Things are not being done. How can we come around and serve in love? And we may organize that formally. But for you to just go and do because, because Christ has compelled you, the Holy Spirit has led you to serve in love, you don't need my permission to do that. You don't need Matt's permission to do that. You don't need Greg as a grow group leader to, to do that. Go serve. Go serve in love. Okay? Any other questions or thoughts on that? Okay. So we do have organized areas of ministry within the church. And again, think, think of ministry as this. How can we serve in love? So when we call it in-reach, this is going to be interesting because ministry is in-reach and outreach. How can we build and encourage the church inwardly? We're going to talk about that first, and then we'll talk about outreach. But in-reach, we have organized things here, and I, and I love that you mentioned door greeter. Some churches call it first impressions ministry. The opportunity for the first place that they're going to meet somebody is a door greeter. And some churches have... Um, parking lot attendance, but, but that's an important ministry to serve one another in love to go, man, I just, I, I love greet. I wish I could be a professional Walmart door greeter. Okay. Yeah. Right. But, but we should, but we should be going, wow, this is an opportunity. I'd be happy to do that. Yeah. Well, guess what? Come on. What's another ministry that we have that's, that's somewhat formalized here at the Grove for in for building and encouraging and blessing the body. I'm, children's ministry. Yeah, children's ministry, building up and encouraging and loving on our kids. Great. Anyone else? Praise the Lord. Amen to that. Come back, coffee ministry. Come back. We need you. But it is a ministry. It's an, it's, it's, it's an opportunity, really, to connect and, and bless. Here, you need this. Stay awake, right? But, but it's a simple thing, but a great way to serve one another in love. So coffee ministry. What else do we have? Our group, men's ministry, women's ministry. For women at certain stages and certain seasons of life, with certain opportunities to minister to one another, and that, and that includes spiritual growth, men's ministry, grow groups in general. What a, what a great way for families or units to connect together and, and really push and move one another along. Because like you said, Greg, out of that comes so many service opportunities. Uh, um, exactly like what you've said, one of the things that, that, that I've experienced in, in my years of ministry is finding that when there are needs and they are being met by the grow groups and, and as a staff person, I never knew it happened until after the fact because it wasn't coming to me. It wasn't coming to me for permission. It wasn't coming for me to do. It's that ministry was taking place because people were ministering. You as the church, we as the church in our areas of ministry have that authority to minister, to serve one another in love. And that's called in-reach. 
That's that Ephesians 4 building of the body of Christ. That's one of the ways that we build the body of Christ. We encourage it. We strengthen it. We empower it. We equip it. And that, and that, is, that is in reach. And that is so incredibly important. And then the other type of ministry construct that we have is then ministering to those that don't yet know Jesus. Serving them in love. Reaching out to them in love. Perfect picture of that was when Jesus talked about the Good Samaritan. Going and reaching out in ministry and love to, to the lost and the hurting. So our outreach opportunities should be a twofold thing. And Katie, I see you hiding back there. Katie's way back there doing video today. Yeah, lyrics. Thanks for the slide. Good job. Um, Katie ministry last. Katie mentioned last week about what, what if I was really excited about doing some sort of outreach ministry. Is that okay? Is that, is that kind of nutshell your question last week? So take what she said. Did you hear that? Do we have the right, what is the protocol, to go and serve one another in love as outreach? Serving those out there who don't yet know Jesus in love. What is, what is our answer to that? Go. Go. So here's an interesting thing. Again, Greg and I, as we were talking about this this morning and, 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 and pressing into what this is going to look like, we want to lead with open hands in ministry here. So let's, let's take Katie's, Katie's scenario. And Katie, um, do you have like a spe specific thing you were thinking of? So, so I can answer that question like this, no. No. Go back to kind of like what Greg said. We don't need permission to go do what we've been called to do as the church, which is to go make disciples, okay? So here, here's, here's where I would go, this is the yes and the no to that. As we lead with open hands, if all of us are ministering to the body... And to the lost. Everybody's on mission, right? Everybody's actively engaged in ministry. Katie may go, hey, this is one of the things that I'm doing this weekend. This is just you know, something the Lord laid on my heart. And she may talk to Dan and, 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 and Joy. And she may talk to, to Eric and Jesse. And, and they go, man, I'm in. I'm in. Let's do it. And then... And then Eric may go, hey, Steve, we were thinking about doing this this weekend. What do you think about that? And I go, well, collectively as a church, what do I think about that? Or what do I think about that as an individual? And you go, collectively. I go like this. We're going to leave with open hands. If that's something that, that we go, wow, that may be a great opportunity as a one-off ministry opportunity for the church. If we go, that's not a bad idea. 
it's better than what we've been doing, or we hadn't thought about that before, we may go, hey, you know what? Let's support this one. Hey, church, this is a great opportunity. Katie has, has, has stumbled onto a great ministry opportunity this next weekend. If you're available, we'd love to have a presence that, that, that represents the Grove in our community. If you're interested in that, see Katie. Exactly. Say that again. Go what? Go connect in community. Change lives. Right? For the hope, love, and truth, and the glory of Jesus Christ. You didn't need permission to do that. But when we look at it as, as informal becoming formal, that's when we go, that's just kind of the nuts and bolts and go, do we have the time? Do we have the resources? Do we have the availability for this to be something that, that is sponsored or um, whole church thing? So where you may go, you know what? Yeah, you're right. It, it's, it's, a little on the, it's a little on the hectic side for what the ministry season is going on here at the church. But you've talked to four or five other people and you go, yeah, I'm, I'm in. We're going. Great. Praise Jesus. Go. Go be the hands and feet of Jesus to the lost and the dying. Yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cor cor correct. So, yeah, I completely agree. I completely agree. And that's why I'm saying that, that that's where this open-handed leadership, this is, this is a church-led ministry with, with oversight, with counsel from us as elders. Okay? Ab absolutely. So if Katie were to go, hey, we were thinking about doing this, I'd just say, go, praise the Lord. Have at it, Katie. Yeah, but for, for Katie to go, hey, I'm, I'm going and I'm pulling up the, the, the grove. I'm, I'm gathering that, pulling that off the wall, pulling this on, taking all of our street signs and spray painting the Grove Church logo everywhere we go because this is a church thing. No, no not necessarily. And I agree. So that's why I said it's kind of that both and thing. That's a, that's a great point. Because... Katie should be going representing Jesus Christ, but doesn't always have to necessarily it be a grove thing. Does that make sense? So that's, that's, that's a great point. Anyone else have any questions? Because we're at 1124. Has this, has this cleared some things up for you all? That discipleship is our role, our responsibility, and our authority. So it's Pre-conversion discipleship, it's post-conversion discipleship, moving along in our spiritual journey to look more like Jesus Christ, and then our ministry, our serving one another in love, is both to the body and to the community. So those two things, discipleship and ministry, is the authority that the church has been given to fulfill what it is the church has been called to go do. So the admonishing, the encouraging, the holding one another accountable, the engaging in authentic relationship, all for the fulfilling of what it is that Christ has called the church to be, a loving representation that makes disciples who make disciples. We all have been given that authority and that responsibility to do that as the church. 
I hope that this has been encouraging to you. I hope that this has helped clear things up as we continue to flesh out what ministry looks like in this current ministry season of where we are here at The Grove and under the leadership that, that the Lord has blessed us with. Yes, sir. One thing. I, I've seen a lot of, I don't need it, I'm loud. I've seen a lot of times um, churches, they have, um, uh, it's, it's easier for them to do more in-reach and less outreach. You know, um, it's, it, it's, it's easy for, for, for churches to get stuck in the, um, well, we need to serve the body, but not being out and serving the community and not mm-hmm. being out, go, not going, you know. Um, and I don't really know where I was going with that, but I just, it, it's something that was on my mind that it's that going outreach is just as, if not more important than inreach. And yeah, so, so what he was saying is, I think it needs to be understood as a continual balance of both all the time. Growth, for those that don't yet know Jesus, because we are engaged with those that don't yet know Jesus, is non-negotiable. And our growth as Christ followers to build and strengthen the church as it is, why are we building and strengthening those that are already Christ followers? So that they can continue to go and fulfill the other part of what it is that the church has been called to do. So it's a continual cycle of growth. And it doesn't end. And none of us get a chance to to step off the the merry-go-round. Because we are all moving along in our faith journey toward that continued holiness that represents Jesus Christ. Okay? Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much for what it is that you've called the church to be. You've called the church to be active. You've called the church to be lovingly offensive and storm the gates of hell and depopulate hell's zip code and move others to a deeper clearer, consistent walk in their holiness that again represents Jesus Christ. Give us the courage, the strength, the faith, and the faithfulness to do that well in this body so that all of the body parts are functioning well and that Jesus Christ is glorified. Jesus, we love you and we thank you for your plan. And it's in your name we pray.